God. <clears throat> Excited about what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today. Praise God. Good crowd, good spirit in the house this morning. Glory to God. So Matthew chapter 1 is where we'll begin. And find that reference, go ahead and bow your head and let's pray. Father, we approach your word today with uh, hunger, with excitement, with anticipation, and with a teachable spirit. Lord, we are so hungry to know you more. We are on a journey and we're not at our destination yet. God, we're so thankful that you authored our life, that each and every one of us, under the sound of my voice, God, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We were gloriously crafted in our mother's wombs. You knew us fully and completely before we were ever born. Father, saved and unsaved, you care about every member of the human family. And you sent Jesus to win them back to yourself. If only they would receive of him and to receive him. Lord, help me to articulate the good news today I'm asking you to help me to help the people to understand the gospel better that they could have a great and should have an unshakable confidence that what we have chosen to believe as Christians is in fact the glorious truth I thank you father that the Spirit of God would work with my words today to do what would be impossible for me Chris Cody to do on my own and that is to bring about the conviction of truth on the inside of a person's soul and spirit. God, that should there be someone in the room or outside the room listening that does not know you today, that, Father, that through the preaching of the Word, through the convicting power of the Spirit, that today would be the day where they are born again, that they accept Jesus. Father, for those that are already saved, and many are, I thank you that you will strengthen and further establish us in our faith this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So the title of my message this morning is Jesus is Legit. <laughs> Jesus is Legit. Now I like the word legit. We like the word legit. Recently my daughter Faith and I took a... Uh, ministry trip and his fellowship too uh, had a great time just her and I my daughter Faith went down to Texas and uh, the Hatta boss took us to a uh, to a very unique um, antique store old world antiques things that uh, uh, that they had gone over and harvested out of old uh, European churches like in Belgium and uh, Austria you know those old churches and the doors and the furnishings and different things and and so we were just in all this place and we're shopping and, and Faith found a couple of vases that she really liked. And uh, so she looked at them and my, my daughter's, you know, from 19, she's pretty quick. She's, she's really sharp. And she asked, the, she asked the clerk, she goes, are these old? Are these antique? And she got an affirmative, yes, we, yes, these are antique, these are old. What was my daughter asking? Are these legit? Are they the real McCoy? Are they the real thing? Because they did have things. I brought a couple things home, and they told me these are exact replicas of something old. <laughs> that means they're new. Right? They're new. And, but I liked them, and I bought them. 
Well, my daughter buys these vases and gets them back, and, and she's got this from her mama. Her mama is an interrogator. She is a, re, she is a researcher. She is, that's the better word. She is a, she is a researcher. She, she is going to find out. An investigator, that's the word I was, so I take that other one back. And uh, she is an investigator, and my, my daughter Faith has got that in her, and so she gets online, and she's doing all this research, and she can't find any independent uh, you know, voice backing up her claim that these vases that she bought are antique and old. Well, you know, when she found out they were likely not antique, well, she was not happy. Were you happy about that? No, not happy. She's still waiting on me to call down there. Yes, she's pointing at me. Dad, call them. And I intend to. I just have not gotten around to it yet. And, uh, but, you know, I tell you what, if you're going to um, adopt a belief system and invest the outcome of your eternal soul in a belief system and in a person, it's a weightier question then faith had over the vase. I want my faith to be legit. Amen. And so many Christians, they, and thankfully many have been raised up in the church, like my kids, raised up to, uh, to have respect for the Bible. You know, raised up uh, to, to know and to believe as mom and dad believe uh, in God the Father, Jesus His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Amen? But I wonder how many Christians are really able to give even a basic defense if someone were to challenge them even a little bit. Is your Jesus, what makes him legit? What makes this Jesus of the Bible any different than any other human being or author or beginner of a, any kind of movement, political movement, spiritual movement? Amen. If I gave you the microphone for the next 20 minutes, and I'm not, could you give a defense? Could you give a defense? Amen. On your Jesus. Why you believe what you believe. Well, you know, if you can't, one of the things you could do is go back into our archives. They're still there. It's free. wouldn't cost you nothing on our podcast. And I began the year, 2020, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? I began the year in December and January, going into this year, talking about the Bible. Can you trust it? And the supernatural nature of the Bible. We preached on weeks on that. Amen. But God's added something to me here today. And as we talk about Jesus, as we celebrate Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, I want to help you to know beyond question that Jesus is legit. We're not selling you a bunch of snake oil. Amen. I'm not a really good salesman. You haven't bought into something false. When you put your, uh, the investment in your future of your eternity, come on, into the hands of Jesus, you are secure. We are not going to take our last breath on this earth and be disappointed. Amen. Amen. I've been studying the Bible strong uh, since the mid-90s. And what, what uh, begun, began my quest is... I asked, I told, you know, this is what I, the way I thought. I said, well, before I stop drinking beer, before I start, stop partying, and before I stop, you know, and, and decide to live this way, I've got to know that it's legit. 
Amen. Amen. What makes the Bible different than the Quran? What makes the Bible different than, uh, you know, Eastern religious writings and books? Come on. What makes it different? And so what I did is I dug into the Bible from a critical point of view, looking to find a reason why I didn't have to be a Christian. <laughs> I was looking for a reason to keep on drinking beer and chasing girls and living like a fool. But the more I studied, amen, I remember printing me out a, a, a document off the internet. We did have the internet back in the 90s. And, uh, and it was like 100 contradictions in the Bible proving it's false. So I printed it off. I go, oh, here's some of my ammunition right here. Someone's already done this for me. And I looked and gave it just a casual look over, and I had debunked all his points. False arguments, circle reasoning, dish different things. Amen? Getting quiet on me already, but amen? I'm just telling you, the more I studied, the more convinced I became that man did not write the Bible. Man may have been used as an instrument to put words on paper, but not only uh, did man not write the Bible, he could not have written what's there. And if even if he could, he wouldn't have. What normal man would write, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. This had to come right from the lips of God Almighty. Y'all could lighten up with me, okay? Amen. Jesus is legit. One of the ways you know that the Bible you carry and the Jesus you gave your life to is really legit is fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is thousands of years old. It is millennia old. I mean, it is old. Amen. And uh, God used over 60, uh, no, 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 over 40 different authors. Amen. 40 different human beings were used to pen His Word that spanned all of the distance at that time. Most of the authors of the books of the Bible never met each other. They never had an opportunity to collaborate. <clears throat> Amen. And yet in all of the Bible, over all of this time, written in different times, different technological times, different historical times, uh, amen, different scientific, all kinds of different scenarios, there's not one contradiction in the Bible, not one. There's not one false statement in the Bible, not one. Now the Bible accurately records lies people told, but it's accurately recorded. Amen. And uh, you might not have known but in the Old Testament, what the New Testament often calls the Scriptures. Now, to us, they're all the Scriptures. But when the, like when Paul said, in the Scriptures, he's not referring to the New Testament. The New Testament was still being written. He's referring to the Old Testament. Well, there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. The books from Genesis to Malachi, Right? that have nuggets of prophecy that are spread out all over that span of time, thousands of years, 3,500 easy, more like 4,500 probably. Are you with me so far? 300 prophecies about one man, about what one man would do, what he would be like, how he would be born, where he would be born, what he would be called, what would happen to him, key events in his life. Amen. Do you know that Zechariah, 
uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born and living in Israel. That the, the book of Zechariah, that prophet in Zechariah 12, 11, I believe is the reference, uh, said that Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend for exactly 30 pieces of silver. Now, it would be one thing to prophesy, to predict one key event in the life of one man in a, in a happening and to get a bribe. You know, he would be, lots of people maybe are betrayed. But Judas betrayed Jesus hundreds of years later, a friend of his, with a kiss, with exactly 30 pieces of silver. Now, maybe just that one prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus, does that make him legit? Well, maybe in your mind, maybe not. Amen? But let's, let's read some scripture here for a moment. I have you in Matthew chapter 1. Is that right? Matthew chapter 1. And begin reading. Uh, I'll read along. You follow along with me. Beginning in verse 18. And so much of what you have in Matthew and in Luke, which are the gospel writers that give you the most information about the entrance of Jesus into the earth, so much of the chronicle, so much of the accounting is telling you about prophecies that were fulfilled in this Jesus. So let's, let's look at a sampling here. And so, and I skipped, and you'll be glad I did, verses 1 through 17. But to summarize, because it's a genealogy. But here's one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah. The promised Messiah, he couldn't just be anybody. He had to be a direct descendant of the throne of David. Well, Matthew gives you the genealogy proving that Jesus is a direct descendant. Now, how many human beings on the earth do you think are direct descendants to the throne of David? So you're shrinking in terms of the odds of something happening by random chance quite a bit. Probably none of you in this room are direct descendants of the throne of David. You'd probably want to know that if you are. You need to sign up for, you know, Ancestry.com. Find out. Amen. But Jesus was. now. So it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, talking about physically, they didn't consummate their marriage sexually, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to, make, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now look at verse 22. Now all this was done, Why? that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child this behold a virgin shall give forth this prophecy in Isaiah 7:14 is over 700 years old at the time of Jesus's birth so is Jesus legit well we have a prediction in Isaiah if you go back in time before Jesus ever shows up, he has to be born of a virgin. How many human beings on the planet do you think statistical odds could have that testimony? Okay, 
<laughs> that narrows it down a lot. Right? Okay, but why are these things? Well, because these things have to be fulfilled. Amen. Now, maybe you don't believe in the virgin birth. Maybe you don't believe in miracles. Maybe that one uh, testimony alone, that one fulfilled prophecy alone, doesn't convince you. Well, I'm glad you're going to stick around a minute. Amen? Okay. Let's, uh, let's keep going. So it says that in verse 22 that this is a fulfilled prophecy that was hundreds of years old. You know, Isaiah got out there on limb. He'd probably go, what did I say? A virgin shall get, what did I say? Write it anyway, that's what God said. Amen. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. He did not know her, talking about physically, until Jesus was born. Follow me into the second chapter. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, and we get this story. They're coming to worship him, right? And uh, praise God, skip down to verse 5. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, because Herod was saying, Now what did the prophet say? Where is the Messiah? What did the prophet say about the Messiah? Where is he supposed to be born? You go all the way back hundreds of years in the Old Testament? Amen. In the book of Isaiah again, it says that the Messiah, he, number one, he must be born of a virgin. Okay, that's tall order. Number two, he must be born in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David. Okay, so now they have to have both of those criteria to fit the bill. Do you know that Joseph and Mary, they did not live in Bethlehem? When the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus in her womb, it was not in Bethlehem. They were living way up north in the country. In Galilee, that's where Joseph and Mary were from. But the Messiah, who is growing in her womb, has to be born in a city they don't live in. Well, just by chance, Caesar Augustus of Rome ordered that everyone in Israel be counted for a census. We do a census every 10 years in this country. Though in that place, you had to go to the place of your birth, the husband did, to register for the census. So he had to take his late-term pregnant wife from the north all the way down south to Bethlehem to register for the census. And it just so happens that Mary gives birth in Bethlehem, fulfilling an ancient prophecy. Maybe that doesn't convince you. Did you know also that another one of those Old Testament prophecies said that I will call forth my son out of Egypt? Well, so now, how is Jesus going to fulfill this? Now, one of the things, is Jesus legit? At this point, Jesus isn't reading the Bible and saying, I'm going to try to fulfill as many of these as I can. What does it say? He has no control over being born of a virgin. He has no control over what city he is born in. He has no control as where he's carried and, and what happens to him as an infant. So if Jesus is legit, it's going to have to be God doing this. Well, of course, Herod the king, he had, he had, the Magi told him they were going to go worship. 
And he, the, a king? Well, he's a king. He wants to be king. So he doesn't want to worship the child Jesus. He wants to kill the child Jesus. So he's, he's hoping that the Magi will come and let him know they found him. He goes, I want to come worship. No, he goes, I'm going to kill him. Well, God warned those wise men of the east not to go back to Herod, so they went back to their homeland another way. Herod found out of it. He realized that a little while later, and he's mad. You know what he did? He killed everyone in Bethlehem, all the children two years old and younger, just to be sure about it. Well, Joseph was warned in a dream about this happening, and he said, take the child and flee to Egypt and stay there until I call for you. Now, how does a man fund that? He left his carpentry job in Galilee. How does he fund that? You know, God funds his plan. I got to be careful here. I could go preach on this tangent. God funds his plan. Those magi did not come. I told you this earlier. They came with moolah. They worshiped him, but they broke out their treasuries, gold, silver. They were, Jesus had a trust fund. And they lived in Egypt on, in high cotton in the God's Witness Protection Program until Herod died. Come on, come on. Jesus is legit. Just those three prophecies being fulfilled in the life of one human being by random chance, odds would be impossible. But it gets more better. It gets more better. Way back in the Old Testament, it says about the Messiah, if the Messiah is legit, here's how you know, he will be called a Nazarene. Okay, this gets convoluted. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph lives up north, but now they're in Bethlehem. He flees from Bethlehem because now he's born in Bethlehem. That fulfills that prophecy. But guys, now he's living in Egypt. Well, God calls forth. Herod dies. So it's safe now. He calls him back. Where do they dwell? Where, they do go back up north, and they dwell in the city of Nazareth. Where does Jesus grow up? Nazareth. What do they call him? A Nazarene. What do you think the odds are of a man being born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, called out of Egypt, and now you land in Nazareth? Hello. <laughs> so let me, let me say something to you here. Uh, people much smarter than me have done deep dive math analysis on this. I told you in the beginning, there are not four of these like I've shared with you. There are 300, 300 specific prophecies laced throughout the books of the Old Testament that if whoever claims, oh, that's me, I'm the Messiah, that's a tall order. That's a very tall order because every one of the 300 prophecies have to be fulfilled in one guy for it to be legit. So if you were to take just eight, let me, let me help you here. If you were to take just eight of those prophecies, what is, what do mathematicians say is the probability People say, give me proof. I'm going to give you proof. What is the mathematical probability that of all the human beings that have lived on planet Earth, that one human by random chance could fulfill just eight 
of these prophecies. You want to put up that slide? It would be one to the to the it was 17, there's seven to the 10 to the 17th power. 17 zeros. Right? That, that is a number so big, you, you sitting there cannot comprehend that. This is the, the, the astronomer that did this. I've given this illustration before. He's the one that came up with this. He said, if this probability, to give you an idea mentally of what, how big this number is, if you were to take the entire surface area of the state of Texas and bury it one foot deep in silver dollars, and, and you paint one of the silver dollars red. And I walk Brother Brandon out there and blindfold him and give him one chance to pick the red silver dollar. That would be the odds of just eight of these prophecies coming to the pass in the Jesus of the Bible by random chance. How, what are you going to bet your eternity on? People say, give me evidence. If a financial advisor came and says, this investment has a nine-tenths chance, right? What if, you're, what if an investor came to you and said, you need to invest in this, Caden, because you have a one and ten, you know, to the 17th power chance of this investment failing. Would you feel good? Would you sleep good at night? Giving that guy your $10,000. You would. One in 10,000? I mean, to the, to that number. That number right there. That's the chance the investment will fail. I'll take that. You can't get that on the earth today. Are you with me? Okay. What if you up it? What if you double that? It's the year of the double. What if you up that? To 16 prophecies, what would the probability be? Show them the number. <clears throat> Listen, you, you, cannot, you cannot comprehend that number. So this, this guy, again, smarter than me, he, he said, let me give you a visual illustration. Let's take all of the one chance is one silver dollar. So there's that many of silver dollars. And Philip has one chance to be the Messiah with 16 prophecies to fulfill. Okay? Take all the silver dollars, one thing, and put them in a ball. Mash them into a ball. And put that ball in the center of our sun in our solar system. Do you know where the edge of the ball would be? Neptune. That many silver dollars in a circumference. You just go one direction, you end up at Neptune. So I want to say to you again, Jesus is legit, baby. He is legit. Listen, you know what this means, Dakota? This means Jesus is the Son of God. The Jesus of the Bible is unquestionably, undeniably deity. He is everything the Bible says about Him. 
To deny it is beyond stupid, to be blunt with you. To ask for more evidence. This man said, let me find it in his, in his commentary, just bear with me, just one moment. Uh, praise God. He said this, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Now, this is, this is very difficult, but remember I said, there are not eight prophecies in the Old Testament. That would prove it beyond doubt. There are not 16. There are 300, Brother Tony, 300. I don't have enough space on the board to show you what that number looks like. But if you want another visual illustration, he gave one. He said, I gotta, he said as an astronomer, the number is so astronomically big to, to have something to give you a representation of one of those probabilities, I have to go really small. So he said, let's let, instead of a silver dollar, let's make that one chance be an electron, a single electron. Do you know how small a single electron is? It is one of the smallest particles of matter known to man. Let me tell you how small an electron is. If you were to take <clears throat> uh, electrons, single electrons, and put them in a straight line as wide as a quarter, one inch wide, okay? And then you started counting the number of electrons in the one inch line. Y'all follow me so far? And you counted at a pace of 250 electrons per minute. It would take you, listen, nine. 18 million years to count the number of electrons in a line one inch long. That's how small they are. Now, instead of them being silver dollars, I'm talking about what are the, what are the odds? What is the probability of the Jesus of the Bible fulfilling 300 Old Testament prophecies just by random chance? He's not special. It's just, it just happened by chance. If you were to take, not, not silver dollars, those little tiny electrons and ball them up into a ball, you want to know how big the ball is, this guy says? It would take up the entire space, not of our galaxy, but of the known universe to hold that ball. <laughs> Pastor, why are you going through this? Just this one single track of the Bible, understanding it, ought to wipe out any question you have ever entertained that the Jesus you read about in that book, it's not a historical thing, it's not a made-up tale, it's not a fairy tale, it's not a dream. Jesus Christ is legit. He is the Son of God, He is the Savior of the world, and He is the Judge of all mankind. It is the most proven, solid fact. It is more provable than Marilyn is actually sitting here. I, I, you see what I mean? For you and I, knowing these facts, to deny Jesus we is beyond foolish. 
And it cannot be explained in the light of these facts by anything other than a rebellious, evil heart. It's not a matter of, well, that's nice. I just need a little more proof. Come on. So let me advance this this morning. I know what time it is. Jesus came, everyone. He came. And do you know that at, put yourself back there in Jerusalem and Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' arrival. You know, when Jesus grew up later, he looked at Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem. Why? Because they didn't get it. They didn't recognize him. They did not receive him. Are you with me? They, they didn't receive him. And uh, the creator of all the world was walking with them and talking with them, and they didn't get it. Let me read this to you. This is John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. It says, He came into the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. In Luke 19, verse 43 and 44, it says, For the days shall come upon you, that your enemies will cast a trench around you and surround you around. They will keep you on every side. They will lay you even with the ground. Yes, even your children with you. They will not leave one stone upon another. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, like this current generation, I hope you're listening to me out there. Like this current generation, that generation that lived at the time of the fulfillment of Jesus' first coming, think about all that they had to be ready to recognize Him. They had all those prophecies. We have prophecies. I'm talking about Jesus. He came, but guess what? This Jesus I'm telling you about that's so certain, it's mathematically, you can't wrap your brain around to how sure it is, He's coming again. And he's not coming humble, wrapped in unrecognizable clothes in a manger. He's coming to judge the world. He's coming to bring the wrath of God upon every person that does not obey the gospel. He's coming to set up an earthly kingdom that will never end. And the world's government will rest upon his shoulders. Are you right with Jesus? Are you serving Jesus? I'm not even talking about are you saved. That's paramount. But I'm telling you... What is your current approach, believer, to your Christian life? Are you playing with it? Are you playing with your Christianity? Are you kind of got in this mode? Yeah, I'm just living life, this whole church thing. I know it all my life. Yeah, I know it's true. Get it, get it. No, but you, this Jesus is legit. And he's watching your every move. Are you serving him? Is he first in your life? You are going to stand face to face with him. What are you going to say? What are you going to say when he says, I want a book report on your life? What did you do with the call? What did you do? Right? I am so legit. You had to believe me. But you didn't. You wanted to boat. And you wanted to this. And there's nothing wrong with boating. But I mean, come on. You've got to serve God. So they had all these things. They had the Torah. They had the Word of God. You know what else they had? You know, we have the Word of God too. I'm comparing their coming, their circumstance, to His second coming. He's coming again. Well, I wonder if that's, I mean, it already fulfilled, it would take the universe to represent 
the surety of his first coming and all that he fulfilled in prophecy. You know, remember how Judas, how much did Judas get? You know, Zechariah hundreds of years before says, the Messiah will be betrayed into the hands of religious leaders for 30 pieces of silver. How much did they give Jesus? For Judas for that, 30 pieces of silver. How much more do you need to be convinced? At the time Isaiah, at the time the psalmist looked into the spirit in Psalm 22 and wrote about the Messiah's crucifixion, they pierced my hands and feet. Crucifixion wasn't even a thing. It didn't exist. It had never happened. And then in that, it says, not only will they pierce his hands and feet, but through all of his passion, his torture, none of his bones will be broken. And none of his bones were broken. It said that they would pierce his side. They pierced his side. That wasn't even a thing. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Well, how could this generation miss it? Before you get too critical, think about yourself. They had the word of God. What are you doing with the word of God? We have the word of God. All right, the world has the word of God today. All right, back then, they had teachers, they had rabbis, and they had synagogues. We have, we have pastors and fivefold ministers and churches today. There's no excuse for the world. We, right, if you miss, if you're not ready to meet Jesus at his second coming, you won't have any more excuse today than they did to miss him back then. Well, pastor, they had prophets back then. We have prophets today. And the sound is going out all over the body of Christ. He's coming soon. What are you going to do about it? You're going to listen? You're going to pay attention? You're going to stick your head in the sand? Are you with me? I mean, we're not disadvantaged to what they had to any degree. Not to any degree. They had all these things. They had preachers. They had prophets. They had the Word of God. Here's another thing that they had back then, right around that time Jesus appeared. They had cosmic signs. They had signs in the heavens. Those magi, they weren't Jews. They were astronomers. And they noticed something unusual, and they followed it. Listen, if you've been paying attention over the last three or four years, there has been, from the blood moons to the eclipses to the Bethlehem star that's been back, that has not been back since this time we're reading about. We have signs in the heavens above. If you're paying attention. So they had cosmic signs. We have cosmic signs. They had prophecies. We have prophecies. They had preachers and prophets. We have preachers and prophets. They had churches and synagogues. We have churches and synagogues. We are lacking in nothing that they had yet. The vast majority, sadly, of even the body of Christ, they are not ready to meet the Lord. They're carnal. They're uncommitted. They're living compromised lives. They don't live clean. They don't live holy. They live like the world. They drink wine. They cuss. They smoke. They tell dirty jokes. They barely come to church, maybe once a year, maybe on Easter too. And there's going to be a reckoning. Jesus looked at his people and he wept and he prophesied a judgment on his own people. Why? Not because he wanted to, he's crying. But they didn't take heed to what was offered. And their city was destroyed, their temple was destroyed, their nation was scattered to the four winds of the earth. And only since 1948 are they back in the land.
And that is another, what? Supernatural fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So my message to you today is, number one, have confidence that the Jesus of the Bible that you're worshiping, that you've given your life to, that you've trusted your eternity to, no, sweetheart, you did the right thing. Don't forsake your faith. It's going to be more unpopular in the days and years to come if the Lord tarries. It's going to be more difficult in America to be a Christian. It's going to be more difficult. But I want you to know, don't cast off your faith for convenience. Don't cast off your faith to not rock the boat. Don't cast off your faith even in the face of death or imprisonment or persecution or the loss of a job or the cancel, cancel culture or not being woke or whatever they're spinning out there. Hold fast to your faith. The Jesus of the Bible is coming soon. Have confidence. Number two, don't miss your time of visitation. Don't miss your time of visitation. Live ready. It, it made me remember something that I, I must confess I let get away from me. Jesus told me several years ago, he talked to me. I don't mean he appeared to me, I just mean by his spirit. He speaks to me. And he said, make me, Chris, make me a people ready for my coming. Make me a people ready for my coming. So, see, in this church, I'm not, I'm not here to try to be popular with you. I love you. I want you to like me, but that's not my job. My role is to preach you the Word of God. My, my role is to pastor you. My role is to shepherd you. My role is to provoke you and, and to help you rise up to the highest standard. Amen? But my role, I'm just grateful that he reminded me, make me a people ready for my coming. Listen, which of the ten virgins are you like? You have a lamp, you have a little oil, but you don't have any extra. You're not doing anything extra. You're not living full. Come on, let today be a day where you decide, you know what? I'm going to have a full lamp. I'm going to live full of God. I'm going to do the will of God in my life. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to be a good Christian. I am not going to be ashamed of my Jesus when He appears. I do not want to have to duck my head in shame because I know I lived less than. This is the finest hour for the church. 2021 is going to be a great year for the remnant church. It's going to be a great year for the body of Christ. The power of God, the glory of God, the move of the Spirit. You don't want to miss it. Amen. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to give you a good news, a message of hope. Let, to, let yesterday, whatever's happened, whatever's happened, let it go. Amen. Let it go. Let your failures go. Let your mistakes go. Come on, if you've had a troubled marriage, just leave this place and go, you know what, reset, I love you, you love me, let's go on with God. Be sweet and, and be a part of this move. Be a part of this push to save souls. Amen? God loves you so much, He wouldn't have given you this kind of proof if He didn't love you. He doesn't want you to wonder, I wonder, no. No, He wants you to have a strong consolation. A strong assurance. Amen. The Jesus of the Bible. He's Jesus. He's the real guy. He's up there. Come on. Our faith, our faith isn't to produce in you, you know, just a better, more law-abiding person. No, it'll do that and more. We're talking about eternity here. 
Talking about eternity. And this Jesus that said, I'll heal you, come on, he's not lying. This Jesus that said, I'll take care of you, he's not lying. This Jesus that said, I'll be, the, I'll be your lion, I'll be your, I'll be your champion, I'll be your defender. He's not lying. He didn't do all this, fulfill all those prophecies to lie to you. Or to fail you. Or to disappoint you. So maybe you could get into this book with a little more honor and vigor and respect. And read it with the mind of, what in here am I doing? And what in here am I not doing? I need to start doing. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father.